Welcome back to another episode of Bad Talks. We are back this evening with another fun guest. Um, I'm excited to have this young lady on the show. We've been having a lot of interesting guests, so I just we got to keep it going, right, babe? We, gotta keep we, we better keep it going. <laughs> this no world choice. is too big to not keep it going. <laughs> I mean, there's so many different personalities, ethnicities, cultures, um, um, individual philosophies. So, yes, indeed, we will keep it going. Yeah, so we have uh, Sandy Weiner with us tonight. Welcome to the show. She, um, her slogan for her, her coaching is last first date, which we're going to get into. Like, how does she come up with that? Cause that's a unique name for sure. Last first date. Mm-hmm. And she also, um, focuses on being a relationship coach for women who are 40 plus. So look, just because you might be hitting your midlife, it doesn't mean you still can't find love and healthy relationships. She focuses on communications and boundary settings, um, in relationships. And she's also been a TEDx speaker. So welcome to the show, Sandy. Thanks so much. It's really great to be here with you guys. I want to dive right in. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm the disturber, <laughs> Sandy, just so you know. He's our I, disruptor. I, I just disrupt, disturb. <laughs> and, I like, and like disruptors. The, 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 the thing that got me when I heard last first date, that's why I commented, ooh, last first date. Can we dive right into that? I think I know what it means, but I would love to hear the experts, you know, uh, <laughs> answer to what does that entail, the last first date? Yeah, so after my divorce, I started dating about two years after. I actually didn't even know that I wanted to be a dating coach because I didn't know it existed. But I, when I started dating online, I saw that so many profiles said searching for my last first date. And so when it came time to create a website for the new business that I was creating, I thought last first date, that's what we're all looking for. We want to not have to go on these first dates anymore. <laughs> we want to find that special person and continue to date them, but stop going on first dates, which can be really tiresome and draining. So that's that's the origin of my business name. I like that. I, I like, like that. that. A lot. The last first date. Now, what would you have for someone who loves to date and they don't ever <laughs> want their first date to be their last date? What would you call that, Sandy? Well, yeah, like I said, I think people should continue dating. So I think it's the perpetual date. I think that once you're married, especially, or you're in a long-term relationship, you should not forget to date your partner. I think this is one of the reasons a lot of couples lose romance and lose that connection because they stop dating each other and they stop doing those small, lovely little gestures for each other that they did in the beginning when they were courting. So we should always be courting each other. I agree. And I think that sometimes it's a lost art. I was Mm. just talking about this with my husband. I think the thing that people did generationally that I saw with my parents and grandparents, who I told you, because I was on Sandy's show, had multi-decade relationships. You know, my parents were married 57 years and aunts and uncles 40 plus years, grandparents 60 years. Mm. But I noticed that they had traditions like they really carved out time for each other to spend time with their friends, to spend time with family, to travel together, um, to do different small gestures like going to the museum together, um, just to keep that connection uh, with one another going because it's something that, you, like you said, it has to be done incrementally all the time. Um, but I think sometimes people, they just, a relationship can lose its luster, right? Because you get to know each other, you get comfortable, you fall into roles, you have children, other responsibilities, your career. But I just think that relationship, you have to continue to put precedence on it. Otherwise, it can easily decline. In other words, it can lose its newness. 
True. A relationship. Um, And, you know, to kind of piggyback off of what Elizabeth said, you know, uh, it's funny when we first met, you know, she actually, you know, uh, described to me what she was used to. And then she gave the evidence of it, you know, i.e. her parents, you know, uh, other relatives in their family. So I was pretty amazed by that because here it is. She was directly impacted, you know, by this at an early age. In other words, learning what longevity you know, in a relationship looked like. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And I think too few people really have role models, number one. And number two, they're not really clear what they're looking for because they have never experienced it. And they don't express what they're looking for. So a lot of online profiles, for example, will say, let me tell you all about me. But they don't say, and in order to have this amazingness here in me, you have to bring all of these qualities that I'm looking for, because it's not just about marketing yourself. It's about knowing what makes for a good relationship. And you also brought up something that I wanted to talk about, which is these rituals that people do. I think when you're in a healthy relationship, you have rituals that are you walk together, you watch a show together, you have certain things where we used to have Tuesday night, date night, you know, we'd go to movies, we'd go out with each other, but making it intentional, really putting that intention both on your spouse, on your partner, but also on your children, having intentional parenting. I mean, to me, this is, this is my overarching philosophy is be intentional about everything you do. Absolutely. What would you say is the hiccup that you see most commonly with women in their 40s? Because like at that point, they've had some experience of dating. They may have been married, divorced. They may have had some relationships where they um, it seemed like it was going down one path and it didn't go down that path. So it kind of left them wounded. And I think this can apply to men in their 40s, too, that are dating. But I know you specialize with women. And I, I'm curious to see what you have to say, because I know what I've heard from women about what they want versus what they kind of sometimes could get, but still not recognize it. So what do you feel like stops them from kind of connecting to the right person? Great question. First, I want to clarify that I, I started working with some men. Okay, good. So yes. I leave the men out. <laughs> makes Kay very happy who were listening to the podcast and they were like I love what you say and do and I would love to find somebody like you for men and I said well why don't we get on a call and see if we're a good fit because I'd be happy to coach you if you're coachable so I have had some amazing men who I've worked with so I just want to put that out there for all the men I don't forget about you (laughs) hear that men let's give her an applause (laughs) (laughs) yes I like her I think it's I think it's really important for me as a coach also to bring the perspective of men, not just only work with one sex, even though it's sort of you niche down when you start a business and you want people to find you for something. I have found that since I've been doing this for 14 years, I can sort of open up what I do and who I do it for. So that's that's one thing. Then to answer your question, I find that a lot of people come to me with patterns that are not working for them. They're not even aware of their patterns. And I would say some of the most common ones are, well, their pickers are broken. So they have chosen partners that all are similar in some way. They're they're not healthy for them. 
they have not really learned how to advocate for their own needs and their feelings. So they have suppressed a lot in relationships. Um, they are not setting boundaries early enough and often enough. And they don't know how to say what they need to say without feeling mean. So they feel guilty, they feel mean. Uh, they often will choose the same type because that's what they were used to. And maybe it's tied into their attachment style. It's tied into their family of origin stuff. So when I start working with a, a person, I look at their love blueprint. Where did they come from? Where did all of this start? And what did they learn in their family home? How did their feelings get heard, valued or not? What, what was the value of love and marriage in their home? Like you just said, it was very much valued in your home. So you came away with a positive feeling, but a lot of people don't have that. If there was a lot of conflict in the home, there was trauma, there was chaos. So who did they become in response to the chaos and trauma? Often it's the peacekeeper, it's the empathic one. And then they attract the people who take advantage of that, the yeah. people who are the narcissistic, self-centered, partners. So breaking that pattern by first getting stronger internally, and that's really what I did my TED talk about as well, was the the fact that most people who don't learn the right lessons, which was me, you become harder with each heartbreak. You start to put this shell over your heart. And so my TED talk is, is about me becoming what I call a Tootsie Pop very hard on the outside with all these layers of hard, hard shutdown armor. And inside I was mushy like the Tootsie Roll. <laughs> you know, just kind of my values weren't clear. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know my worth. And that just kept me protected and safe, but it didn't give me the love that I was looking mm. for. And so I find that that's, that's the profile of a lot of people who come to me. And what you really want to become is the Heath Bar, which is, for anybody who doesn't know what a Heath bar is, because people <laughs> listen to this from another country, they don't know what either of these candies are. It's hard toffee on the inside, beautiful, delicious hard toffee on the inside, and then this yielding soft chocolate on the outside. Mm. And so you can be yielding. You can take your armor off and be strong on the inside. Once you have that internal strength, you can take those guards down. You can begin to trust people you know how to trust people, you know how to build trust with people. And so those are the beginning steps. And then there's all the online dating, offline dating, how do you flirt? How do you, you know, create conversations, social skills? But that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. But I guarantee if they have a Heath bar with them, trust me, it would take their game, it would take their flirtatious ability to a whole nother playing level. And honestly, I do like the fact that you use that analogy as the, the Heath bar, because it's, like you said, it's multi-layered, multi-layered, um, which brings me to my, my, my question. You said something that I really liked. You said you tend to become harder with heartbreak. Mm -hmm. I think that's very powerful. Let me tell you why, because I think everyone in some manner has endured some level of heartbreak. But the patterns, if you keep going through various levels of heartbreak, I think it's kind of a human defense to, in a way, to become harder to that, to kind of defend off, you know, any impending, you know, hurt that may try to come again. How would you address, you know, address that uh, with anyone for that matter? 
Yeah, you, you, it is common. And I would just acknowledge first that it's absolutely common. You're not alone. You're doing what everybody does. Your natural defense system to keep you safe is to put up guards and not get hurt. But what you're not doing is learning from each, each heartbreak. You're, you're not looking within to say, well, okay, this person hurt me, but I also played a part. It takes a lot of courage to say, what did I do and how did I behave? And maybe it's, I stayed too long. Maybe I tolerated abuse when, because I didn't really recognize it right away. So if you grow up in a home that has a lot of unhealthy patterns, you dismiss a lot of these red flags. They feel like, oh, well, I noticed them, but I'm going to ignore them. And then you shove them under the rug. And like I like to say, the rug becomes really lumpy and you start tripping over the rug because you can't keep shoving things under rugs. So the first step is the awareness, always the awareness. You become aware, I, I played a part. What do I need to learn? And that's empowering. Now I can learn some skills because dating is a bunch of skills. Love, relationships require skills. Love is your birthright. Love is something that we're all just born with the capacity to love and be loved. But unfortunately, if you don't have the right experiences, you don't take away the right lessons, all of those things get veiled and covered up. And then you have to take those covers off and start one at a time. You don't just take them all off at once because that's like saying to somebody, just be yourself, just take all the cards down. It's like, oh my God, I'm gonna fall off a building without a safety net. You can't do that. Now, is this just for individuals over 40? Or is this just, because I, no, I, I have to, I'm sorry, I'm listening, I'm like, okay, is this for just people over 40? So for the audience, uh, Sandy, would you please clarify? No, this is for all people. Okay. <laughs> and you know what? I, again, I chose a niche because I was over 40 when I started my business and I was getting a lot of people who were stuck over 40, but I, I, I have coached people who are in their thirties. I have coached people who are older in their seventies. <laughs> I think we're all human yep. and there are very few things that are unique to a certain age bracket. Um, or to a certain sex, you know, there are some differences, but mostly what I really geek out over is the psychology of it. And that's a human thing. It's not an age thing. Oh, totally. And, and, and what I always find interesting, because 60% of the people I coach are women and 40% men is the similarities. Like men want the same things as women. And we actually are more closely aligned than we think we are. Sometimes we're communicating a little bit differently, but I hear mm -hmm. the same subtext or desires, you know, for companionship, for friendship, for someone who can show up for me. It's that language, trust, trust uh, mm -hmm. you know, mutual respect is like those things are very much a continuity between men and women. I liked what you said, too, about the Heath bar and the fact you have to yield. That's the yielding part of the bar, which makes it so yummy. Right. And I and but yet when it comes to relationships and me and my husband, we talk about this all the time. My husband always uses the um, term that we're iron sharpening iron. Right. Like we both come with our own uh, baggage. Right. Our own ways of doing things, our own value systems. But the beauty of when you can really like look at this person and say, you know what, it's okay. 
they're different or they have a different subset of values or that they're seeing the problem this way because there's so much value and power in that and that's that yielding piece of love but sometimes it doesn't feel good to compromise you know sometimes you want things your way <laughs> so how do you uh you know because the more and i guess where i'm going with this is like the older you get you more you get more set and fixed in your way so I know for me, when I've coached women over 40, one thing or theme out here is like, okay, I want this, this, and this. And oftentimes, if it doesn't show up in a certain package, they're still resistant to it. Um, almost like they can't see like, hey, this is the thing you were talking about, you want it, but then they get hung up on a piece of like, it doesn't come in this particular package. So how do you walk women through that? Number one is my question. And I guess the other piece of it that's very interesting to me is some of this could be the self-protection piece, right? Because if we can defend and kind of say, I want this kind of, but I kind of want to do it in this way where I don't totally go all in, then maybe I could protect myself, right, from, from getting hurt. So I think there's a lot of things that are happening and it's the pattern piece. But I'm curious, like, when you've seen this or heard this from your clients, how you walk them through it. Yeah, so definitely self-protection is there and it takes time to create new patterns, to be able to trust, to be able to start letting your guard down. And like Brene Brown says, people have to earn your stories. We don't just connect deeply with every person we meet. So that's the first part. The second is when somebody comes in with a clear idea that they have to look this way and be this way, I always peel down the layers. So why? Why is that important? Somebody says that person has to be six feet tall, for example. And I say, is height a character trait, <laughs> right? You know, is hair a character trait? People have these lists that have nothing to do with character. And so while it's nice to have, is it a must have? So maybe height makes somebody feel safe. That's a value, that's a need. Okay, so let's get, let's get clear about the needs that you have and in a partner and how can you meet them in other ways? So if he's not tall, what other ways can he show you that he's protective or he's going to keep your heart safe really is what you're looking for. And so how are you gonna know that? What are you gonna do to find that, find that out? How are you going to know if somebody is makes good choices in their life? You know, I just wrote this book called Choice Points. The way that we make choices in life is, is huge. You want a partner who, whose, whose choices you trust. Well, so how are you going to find out? Well, you're going to see, see the choices that they make in life. You're going to see what they do in a crisis. You're going to see how they handle stress. Those are the ways that we're going to find out whether a partner has the potential to be in our lives, not because they look a certain way. And the more we can also fill our own cup, fill our own needs, the more compassion we'll have for how somebody else shows up in our lives. I think we get out of that type. And I mean, I, I'm writing a new book, actually. I just published my other book like a week ago, but I came up with this idea. I know the, the arduous process of writing a book. I'm, I'm writing one right now too. And it's like, it's a lot of work. So congratulations. <laughs> it is a lot, thank you. But I, a friend of mine said to me, what's next for you? And I said, I, I just wrote a book. What do you mean, what's next? And I, I, then I thought about it and I said, you know, my tagline on my, on my uh, website is hope hope and confidence to love again. Mm. And I thought that would be a great book. 
giving people hope and confidence, because it's not just hope, it's also the skills and the confidence to, to find love. You have to have both. And so I started, I, I made a Google Doc and a form for people to fill out. And I got all these couples who are applying to be in the book. And I started interviewing them. And today I interviewed this couple in New Zealand who she's 11 years older. They started out as friends. She was still married, so there was no way she was going to date him. They were like church friends. And he would come over and hang out with her family, but he was a rock star. He was a musician and he sheared sheep. Like he, he was totally not anything like anybody she had ever been with. So she never considered him as a person she would date when her marriage fell apart. She was this Christian woman, church going. He was not, it was it, like just their lives were so different. But as they got to know each other, she found out he was so much smarter than she thought. She thought she needed somebody in academia. He was brilliant. So these are, you know, to peel back those layers, emotional intelligence, much more important than a PhD. Mm. People come in with these requirements that are crazy. And so, the 11 year age difference, she said she feels younger than he is because of his emotional maturity. Wow. So this is a perfect example of people who could blend lives together and actually find attraction, not because they're exactly the same, but because their values are similar and because they each meet each other's needs and help each other become the better version of themselves. I'm gonna be honest with you. It sounds like he had a Heath bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds like he had a bar. Yeah, you know. I think so. Yeah, but no, I do believe though. Um, like you said, you know, people can have so many uh, high expectations. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but sometimes I think if you aim too high, you kind of miss what was still considered a high quality, um, lower than your expectations may have. You know, may have actually uh, uh, been longing. You know, longing for. In this very case, you know, she she knows this guy, he's younger, he's a musician, so she already has these preconceived notions of him just to find out it appears he's a diamond in a rough with a Heath bar. So, you know, go figure. Yeah, and people don't often give chances to people who seem too different. Uh, one of the most important things I do with clients is to really help them question their beliefs and their unconscious biases. They come in assuming, oh, well, he's never been married, so he probably cannot have a relationship because he doesn't know how. Well, how do you know that? Maybe he's been engaged five times. Maybe he's had a 20-year relationship and never married, but they live together. Maybe they even have a kid together. You don't know anything. So when you immediately discount someone based on their appearance, their job, their anything, you haven't given them a chance and you want to be given a chance. And so, you know, again, the golden rule, treat somebody the way you want to be treated. And the beauty of this story with the person in New Zealand is that this relationship developed over time. There was not a, an immediate spark. There was not even interest in getting to know this person in this way because she was still married. So it was off the table. And so a lot of times, you know, things, come in surprise packages, not in the package, like you said, Elizabeth, that people think, this is my type, I'm looking for this, and then they miss that beautiful surprise package, 
because they're they're too busy looking for something else. Look, I can so appreciate this because Kay, he's been joking with me because I've been so I've been so lovey dovey. Not that I'm not lovey dovey all the time, but I've been like, oh, I just love you so much. And he's like, is this the medication talking? Because I had a two sur a dental surgery for those on the, in the audience listening. The meds? Is it the meds? <laughs> he's like, is it the meds again? And I'm like, no. she read a poem to me while I was eating. Roses are red, Heath bars are brown. No, you make and I'm like. He just keeps looking. And so my point is, what I, I keep saying to him, no, it's not the meds. It's actually the fact that I, the more I'm around him, I, there's so much I appreciate about him. And, and you, mm. you, you, know, you touched on something when you talked about that person having emotional intelligence, emotional maturity. And that's one of the things that drew me to Kay. Like, you know, I thought I had a type as well. And one of the things I loved about him when we were first dating, and I've told him this many times, is that when I was having a low moment and I wasn't at my best, he could show up for me in a way that no one else has ever been able to show up for me. And I, I was married before, you know, in a relationship where I really felt cared for. I felt like he had my back. I felt like I could show that vulnerability and it wouldn't be misconstrued or, you know, or taken advantage of. And that's not, you know, and so I, I wouldn't have thought that would have been important to me, but I had to go down this journey to figure that out. So I, I think it's so important as you're, you're looking across the table that you don't assume i feel like assumptions is like i don't know what terminology to use but it's like the graveyard of relationships because there could probably be a lot of potential connections out there but we look at someone and we do we have so many bias like all of us have bias um that we have to really collectively proactively like work against because it's just in our nature to look at something and immediately judge it or put someone in a box um it's just how humans are so i love yeah. what you're saying about just you know, looking a little differently. And it is funny, you will appreciate this. So I was looking at the trends for 2023 and dating. And one of them was open casting, which means that people are finally like, you know what, I need to look outside my type. Like I always have this, this preference of what I think I want, but that hasn't really been serving me well. So let me be a little more open-minded about who I'm dating, who I'm engaging with, who I'm giving a chance to. So I think people are really starting to develop a more self-awareness. They're seeking the mental health you know, help that they need to deal with their traumas, their own issues, then they're like, okay, I, I want to go to a coach now, because I really want to execute and put this into action. So I think that people are becoming a little more aware. But sometimes the problem is, and we talked about this when we when I was on your podcast, we can't see ourselves, right? Like we're too close to ourselves, which is the value of someone else kind of giving you that perspective. So I never thought about typecasting in dating. Oh, totally. Because you, you'll hear... That, that's I hear, a good way to put it, though. You know. You'll hear... Remember, you, we've talked about this. Mm. Like Sometimes you hear a guy say, that's my preference. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, but you've dated 20 chicks like that. I mean, I've coached guys like this. <laughs> I'm like, you dated 20. Let's, let's go down the list, you know, and I'm being a little dramatic with the number. But, okay, how did that end? How did that work out? And then as soon as they kind of have that awareness and we talk through it and why they think that might be their type, similar to what you're saying, Sandy, it... It may not be they really have a preference. It's just how can I get these needs met? But I still keep seeing it in one package. So they keep going for that one package. And then when their needs are not met, they're like, I'm confused because they're not really focusing on the needs piece first. Right. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think it's well, interesting. People are not they're not used to even knowing what a need is like they're not tuned into their own needs. Mm -hmm. Like if we just sat and asked ourselves throughout the day, what do we need now? What form would it take? for me right now 
maybe what I'm needing is rest. And so I need to take a nap because I'm getting really grouchy. Well, if we're tuned in to that throughout the day, like I'm really hungry and I haven't eaten lunch and that's why I'm snappy and, you know, snapping at people. And, you know, with, if we're not meeting those needs, why are you looking at me? Expecting- He's looking over me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we, so it's funny. How did you know, Sandy? <laughs> I'm a mind reader. <laughs> no, it is funny because we, as we travel together, we've learned each other very well. And so we know at a certain point where we're really hungry, both of us in different ways. Oh, yes. It's time to like stop, pull over and get some food. Like, so before my husband would say, you know, I'll be like, I'm hungry. He's like, I have a snack for you. And then one day I was like, I don't want a snack. Oh, I want man. food. <laughs> She's like, snacks are no longer working, brother. Snacks are out. So to your point, I mean, I think that's why I always joke that kids are happy because kids just, they go for what they need in the moment. So when you see a toddler, like, have a temper tantrum, they're frustrated. So they're like, I'm getting it out. And then when they're happy two minutes later, it's like, I feel happy. And then when they want to, you know, don't want to go to sleep and they're fighting that, that's that's their moment of, like, frustration again. Like, they, they are living in the moment. But as adults, somehow we lose that, right, of being able to express and understand what we need. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, one of the things I created many years ago was something I call an operating manual. And I give it to my clients to fill out for themselves. Mm-hmm. How do you operate best in the three key areas of attraction? And the first one is lifestyle. Your day to day, I like it cold. I like it hot. I like it. I like to eat these kinds of foods. I am an introvert. I'm an extrovert. Like, how do you live your life? What What's the climate? What's the is the window open or closed? All these things are little things, but they add up to big things when you're in a relationship. And then there's the worldview. How do you see religion? How do you see miracles? What is your faith? What is the way that you look at the world politically, uh, you know, in all ways? And so, again, that's going to be when you have connections as to how you see the world, you're going to be much more compatible with another person. I like that. The third thing. And so the third thing is, is sex. And so a lot of people think, well, we just need to have sex, but you need to be compatible sexually. And so the more you can know about your brand of sex and your frequency of sex and you communicate about sex, you're going to have a better relationship in that area as well. There are people who are compatible who have sex once a year or never, but they both are the same. So it works. And this is something that they discuss from what you're saying. This is something they discuss prior to getting, you know, involved in a relationship or they fill out the paperwork. I mean, how, how does this yeah. go? <laughs> so so what, what I do is I have the person who I'm working with fills it out to give themselves information so that they can eventually communicate that to a partner. Not all of it at once, obviously. Yes. Yeah. But as your relationship gets more intimate, then you have these discussions. I mean, I think part of the problem that people have is they don't communicate. They don't say this is my preference or here's this is too fast for me. I need to slow down. I need I need to get to know you better before this happens. I don't get sexually involved until I exchange STI results and we're exclusive. What does exclusive uh, exclusive mean to me? It means shutting down profiles. It means not talking to other people. It means, you know, so for so many people that well, well we said we were exclusive. I'm only sleeping with you, and I'm, I just happen to have my match profile open, and I'm talking to 16 <laughs> other women. 
Uh, we didn't discuss that. So, so 2023 so, dating too, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> right. So the, the, the point is know yourself, know yourself so you communicate. I'm an introvert. I need to have time to recharge when we're traveling together. I'm going to need quiet time by myself. It's not personal, but if I don't get that quiet time, I'm going to be really crabby. So give me that quiet time. I'm going to be going back to the room, going to take a book with me and I'll be done in an hour. You know, when I get that, I'll have a ton of energy. You need to learn how to take care of that. And so then when you're in a relationship, you're, you're encouraging your partner to do the same thing. And, you know, hopefully both, both of you can say, I need a timeout. I'm, this is, I'm getting flooded, too much information. Um, I need you to slow down. I have no idea what you're talking about anymore. You know, um, I prefer to eat this way, that way, just to negotiate differences. Mm-hmm. Boy, I don't know how that would go over with some uh, couples. Let me tell you why I asked that. Some people don't really know how to convey that in a natural uh, conversating manner. Um, in other words, uh, prior to Elizabeth, there would be individuals that I understood they wanted to get to know me, but the way they did it was so scripted. It was, it was really a turnoff. Now it, I wasn't not, I, I did not knock the fact they, they wanted to inquire about who I was, things I liked, things they did not like, but it's the way that it was communicated. So I do believe that, yes, I, I like, you know, what you said, the operating manual, I like that. I, I've always called it, called it the rose petal removal, meaning all the rose petals, the lovey-dovey, you know, all the intimacy, you know, that kind of has to be, you know, I, I don't want to say eliminated, but pushed to the side so that we can really get to the foundation of what we like, what we don't like, you know, in, in a more, uh, I guess you could say, relaxed, communicated, you know, state. Because let's be real, we know love can blind you know, blind you for, from asking certain questions and in some cases even answering certain questions and answering them honestly. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point that you have to learn how to say these things and the timing of when to say these things. So if you're just starting dating somebody, you're not going to dump all this stuff out on them and say, hey, listen, but certain things you will. Like, I'm a vegetarian and I only... You know, I need to eat in a place where I can also find food. And it's okay if you order meat, if that's all right with you. That's something important to communicate. A lot of people won't say anything. They'll just sit there and there'll be lettuce on the table because that's all they can eat <laughs> instead of right, advocating for that. And also, like, communication style, arguments. Like, what do people do in an argument? I, I had a couple I was working with, a, a woman who got into a, a, an amazing relationship pretty, pretty soon after we started working together, and it was the first healthy relationship she had ever been in. She had never communicated her needs. She had been in a relationship where every time she tried to talk, he would shut her down. And so here's a guy who's amazing. He's wonderful, but he came on too strong too soon. Mm. So he showed up at her daughter's recital, She, um, which was like an hour and a half away, surprised her. They had just been on like five dates and he just shows up mm. with a bouquet of flowers and she's like, <laughs> what is happening? So she got freaked out. And her old self would have been like, no, no, no. This guy is choking me. It's too much, too mm. soon. She would have, like, I, retreated. Yeah. 
but we work together on how to appreciate him and at the same time let him know that you know in the future <laughs> please don't surprise me this is my daughter involved you know here's what i need my kids haven't met you yet sir and you show yes. up at this graduation <laughs> um let me be the one to open those doors <laughs> yeah so but that has to be done gently and now they're living together and they've negotiated stuff but in the beginning when there was conflict he would he would leave and he would go away overnight because he didn't trust that he wouldn't say something really mean mm -hmm. to her so he was doing something nice but he would leave and she would feel abandoned yeah mm -hmm. so her past was coming up and she was getting triggered so they had to negotiate that so she said to him i'm okay if you want to leave and go work it out but how about you take an hour walk? <laughs> how about you let me know when you're coming back? Because I get really nervous that you're never coming back because that's my past. So, you know, being able to say that they're now they're in a healthy relationship and they've built trust and they're, they're living together. Now they can really talk about these things and work them out. No, I think it's super important that you talk about the advocacy of your needs, because if you mm. don't learn how to advocate for your needs you suppress them and when you suppress them they don't come out in a pretty way hmm. which creates more damage in the relationship so it's a process and i think you know conflict i call it healthy friction it's, it's normal you know it's, it's normal you're going to have some friction or some differences in your relationships and I, I know people can be uncomfortable with that for different reasons similar to this lady it sounds like she may have had some issues of abandonment you know may, so so it's like i'm afraid to speak up because what if this person leaves and then he may have had issues expressing because when he expressed maybe it escalated and it got to such a, a high level he's mm -hmm. like let me avoid this versus staying here so they were doing their behaviors actually because of things that happened in the past, but in order to break that pattern, like you said, you're, you know, and build that trust and build that healthy relationship, there's still a way to communicate. There's timing to it. There's, you know, and I, I agree. There's, okay, I, I know you might have to take space, but let me know, because then that helps me not go into my mode. Because I think as soon as you're triggering each other, that's where things can really get tenuous and difficult to come back from. And if they, you know, and if a couple can work at this earlier in the relationship, because I always feel like people sometimes wait until there's so much buildup. Hmm. And then they say therapy doesn't work or coaching doesn't work. And I'm like, but you let like 10, 20, 30 years of buildup happen and you expect it to be solved overnight and that's not realistic. But I just think if we could be more realistic upfront about these things and more proactive versus reactive, I just think you have a better shot of shifting the behavior and even when you do, I feel like it's like it's like a drug it's like hmm. drug addiction in a way. You're gonna relapse because these things are ingrained in us, the way we operate, how we how we have operated in our those relationships. Patterns. Those patterns. It's a pattern. I always think about like how my mother, she would always challenge us. Um, my mother was always teaching and my dad too, but my mother hmm. would be like, okay, change up like how you do your day a little bit. Like instead of showering and starting on one side of your body, change up to the other side because it's good for your brain. Like she would always do these little things to challenge our brain. And I just remember being like, this is hard. Like I am habitually used to like starting with my arms and starting with this body part and shifting that was even difficult. And then you tend to resort back to what you're used to. So then I think about relationships. That's a whole nother dynamic mm -hmm. of, of years that have been just ingrained in you, right? Of, of, of doing something and when it doesn't work, you have your mode of operation. So I like that you give people that operating guide, not to be scripted per se, mm -hmm. but to say, okay, this is like the things that are important to me so that they have more self-awareness, A, and then when it comes up, B, 
they can have a game plan in a way of how to communicate it. And, and then I think when people see the difference in outcomes, that's when it really resonates. They're like, oh, I've been doing this wrong. Like when I run away, that's probably not good. <laughs> that's probably right. torturing the other person. And you know what? I can actually have this discussion. It may be uncomfortable for a moment. We may retreat, but then we can come back to it. But then there's actually a healing that, that starts to happen and, and a, a development of that relationship because you can now progress through that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I always use the example like with guys, when you hear how they become best friends, it's always, I don't know, not always, but it feels like there was like a fight in the beginning or I didn't really like this guy mm-hmm. or, I, you know, he was annoying. And then there's some friction and then all of a sudden it's like they bond and they get past it. So that friction actually opens the door for understanding to see that person differently for who they are and eventually sometimes respect that person for who they are and say okay you know what we could be friends we may not agree on everything but this is where I this is why I like the friendship this is where there's some complementary things and I think a relationship is very similar well you never know someone truly know someone until you have fought them yes that's like a saying that's yeah Yeah. that's actually a quote from one of my favorite movies uh the matrix but uh (laughs) yes but it it is true true, and i have to ask elizabeth a question because as she was talking about how her mother would teach them to kind of change up the dynamics of your day i have to ask you this so is that why you now walk on my outside instead of my inside no that was my parents teaching me that the man should be on the outside and you should be on the inside no those are things i learned over time I'm, i'm joking yeah um but no i i just i valued that they were always my mother you know i valued that she was always challenging us um and and i think about relationships there's always there's gonna be a challenge there because as a person in general you're evolving so as you evolve and you go through things you're gonna change and i think it's about to your point communicating as opposed to like changing and saying my partner's not there they're different because they could be evolving in a different way but you guys could still be evolving together um, there's, yes. there's so much value in that. So, yeah, I like, I like yeah. that operating. I have a great story about that illustrates this. I had a person on my podcast when I first started. She had just become a life coach, and she was dating um, online and had just gotten out of a really unhealthy relationship where the man didn't like her body. Mm. She's a bigger woman. Uh, She's an African-American woman, and she connected with this white guy who was this tall, skinny white guy on Match. And they were having this amazing conversation. She was really excited to meet him, and then he just kind of stopped talking to her. And she reached out to him and said, what's going on? He goes, I I feel like you're too much of an extrovert, and we're not going to get along. Mm. And so she goes, can we talk it out? So, Such an extrovert so, answer. <laughs> the question, by the way. <laughs> right. Response. So she also had just become a coach, so she was mm. used to, let's get curious. Right. So she said, what are you worried will happen? And he said, well, I'm an extreme introvert, and so I'm going to need my quiet time. And she goes, so I'll give it to you. What other questions do you have? Mm. And they negotiated their differences before they even met. Mm. And then they meet for breakfast. They have a great time and she comes back and he wants to like spend the whole day with her. So they come back to her apartment and she's coming up the steps to change so she can get ready like for a different event that they were going to go to. And she like shows him her butt and she goes, are you okay with this? And he goes, yes, I like it. She's like, let's get this out the way. 
I love it. I love it. <laughs> Kay's like, oh, because we're on video right now. Kay is like off the camera laughing. There are a lot of things I can say in reference to that, but uh, I'm going to uh, stay muted. Why? Uh, you never yeah. muted any other time. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the beauty of it is they, they got married, and mm. this is I know they did. <laughs> yeah, I know they did. You like this? I'll tell you, I, will you marry me? He asked her if she'd marry him after she showed up. Yeah. That relationship wouldn't have even started had she not gone to that level. Right. And most people wouldn't do what she did and what they mm -hmm. did, but but that's a great example of you're going to miss all the chances you don't take. You got to mm. get curious. Yeah. And just that that set of agreements. I do this with clients. When I start a new relationship with a client, we have a set of agreements that we go over at the beginning. I say to them, here's what I expect of you. What do you expect of me? Mm. Uh, do I have your permission, for example, to interrupt you when you're telling a long story and ask you to get to the bottom line because it will serve you and me both? Is that okay? And they're like, please interrupt me. You know, and so just asking permission. How do you want to talk about spirituality? Um, am I allowed to curse in this relationship? Mm -hmm. You know, just questions like that where if everybody started out with agreements and set them up in some way you don't have to do it as scripted as this but what will you do if I do this what will what will happen if I if I get really upset I'm gonna walk out of the house well that doesn't work for me let's talk about that you know and then once you can really talk about it you see how a person receives what you're talking about some people will push against it and say, no way, I'm not doing that. And then you know that person isn't a good match for you. They're, they're pushing back against your boundary and they're not, they're not sitting there and talking it out and finding an agreement. You know, Brene Brown talks about this a lot um, as far as boundaries are really, you know, they're an act of self-love. I mean, you're, you're teaching people how to treat you. And I, 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 you know, I'm learning this always too. Like sometimes you may set a boundary and people may not respond favorably to it. But that's okay because you're still drawing a line in the sand and you're saying, this is how I need you to show up. Mm -hmm. And if they can't respect that, it's actually doing you a favor mm -hmm. because that means they don't fit within the boundaries of the expectations of how you would want that relationship to be. So she, because she has a great book out called Atlas of Love that I'm reading, which is like a compilation of a lot of her other books and research. Mm -hmm. And I just think boundaries are so interesting because they can feel scary because we could be like, I set this boundary and I communicated it and it didn't go well. And so immediately, sometimes our reaction is like, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. It's like, no, 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 you did the right thing did, yeah. because that person still knows where you exactly. stand and they wouldn't know that if you didn't communicate. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean just because you put it out there, they're going to respond favorably. I think it's fair to say that. But at least you now know, okay, they're, they're not responding favorably. But on the other hand, it can also be very powerful to helping someone understand you. And I like your what you said about leaning into the curiosity piece. And I think relationships are about curiosity. And one thing my mother said um, that was funny, she, you know, she was approaching like 50 plus years with my dad. And she said, there's still things I'm learning about your dad. I said, what? You've been married over 50 years. Like, what else is there to, you know, like you guys shouldn't know each other like the back of your hand. She said, I know him really well, but I'm still learning things about him. So to me, that was great to hear that from her because it was like, if someone's with someone 50 years plus and they're still learning them, think about how much mm. pressure we put on our relationships in the beginning phases. We are still learning one another and we're continually learning one another. So it was just a great 
um, example to, to reset my brain around my relationship expectations and, and being fair to the other side and, and, and explaining and, and expressing to them like, hey, this is who I am. This is why I do this. Ask me why I'm doing this. Like, you know, don't don't assume it's for this reason. And me and, and conversely with me and my husband, like I try to not assume I'm like, OK, tell me more about that. Like, why, why, why are you doing that? What caused that? So I think when you lean into the curiosity, it, it, it helps you really to connect better in a more healthy way and I, I know we could talk about this forever because I could see you getting I can see the smile on your face Sandy and Kay knows I could go and go well I'm still on you know the the <laughs> comment that was made when she asked so do you like my book and, <laughs> I knew he was stuck there <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure he married her that night um, I'm sure they have night court so yes <laughs> Yes, everything was going downhill, and she, of course, communicated him, you know, with him, which I thought was very mature. I'm, I'm almost certain that it took him; it, it probably took him off guard, mm-hmm. and that's why you said, Sandy, this rarely happens because it, 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 this rarely happens when someone has rejected you. Most people, their instinct is okay. Well, fine then. Whether you're hurt, mad, you just let it go. So for this young lady to, you know, really pursue not only pursue but to ask the right questions or to give him an open floor to talk about it can we discuss this you know what what are your likes dislikes for him to share with her his likes dislikes she's like okay next question what else and then he comes over they go out she shows him her butt and now you know now they're married that's that's big but you know what i like too is that she could have easily been insecure after that happened like when someone rejects a part of us it's so easy to just be like, man, maybe something's wrong with me, and to stay and lay in that moment. But it sounds like, and she may have had that moment. It's not to say she didn't have that moment like where she started to feel self-conscious about her body because of the experience she had. But it's almost like she had she shifted her brain around that, and she, she reframed it in her mind. So she wanted to put it out there like, okay, let's just get this out the way because I don't want to go through putting myself through that same experience. Like, I want someone to accept me for who I am. And I think that's a form of self-love. So I think that's the other powerful Well, yeah, but she, she, she also, she saved the right trump card. Yeah, I mean, she yeah. literally saved the best for last. She did, she did. You know what was the best for last? Tell me. Do you want to see my butt? <laughs> I know, this, is, this episode is going to be called Do You Want to See My Butt? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thanks to you, Sandy. <laughs> That will definitely um, lure in people. No, but I like it, though. I really like this this young lady or just anyone for that matter, you know, based on what you've been saying, you know, Sandy, just, you know, really just establishing, you know, lines of communication. Mm -hmm. You know, let's be real. Some things that we communicate may not feel good to the other person, just like some of the responses we may get may not feel good to us. But at least that line of communication has been established. Yeah. And I will tell you that all the clients I work with, when they find a partner, they are so grateful for the ability of that, that partner to communicate with them. They say over and over, this is so refreshing to be with a woman where I don't have to read your mind, you know, where we can actually talk about things. You don't shut down, you don't get defensive. We can, we can talk about anything together. And it's rare, it's rare to have that kind of connection but when you have it in yourself, then you can form that with anyone in your life. And I will tell you that when I learned boundaries, and this was probably when I was about 30, uh, my father, my parents got divorced when I was 29. And 
I was just getting married. My parents are divorcing and I'm getting married and they're making a mess of my wedding. And, mm -hmm. and my father starts calling me and complaining to me about my mom. And it was the first time I realized I can set a limit. I have a husband. I was pregnant with my first child. And I said, I am going to hang up if you keep talking about my mom, mm -hmm. because that is an inappropriate conversation to have with me. And I'm going to hang up. You're stressing me out. <laughs> he would call right back. What are you doing? You're not allowed to hang up on me. And I would hang up again. And eventually he got it. Eventually he got it because I had to keep doing it. And it's because I was breaking a very old pattern of mm -hmm. a lack of boundaries in my family growing up. And I, I did it with every family member. And so sometimes just starting with the people who are in your life, who are safe in a way, because they're, they're not going anywhere. Start with friends, start with family members. If you really have trouble speaking up and take those little risks, share a little bit more about your life, about who you are, about what your preferences are. Don't just say yes to everybody else's and keep your own buried deep inside because people need to know you. They need to know who you are in all the, the good, the bad, the your preferences, everything. And when you're comfortable sharing about yourself and showing who you are uniquely, you're going to start attracting all the right people into your life. Yeah, that is a great way to um, end the show. You've given our listeners such um, rich, rich insights and advice. And I think people will really walk away with some nuggets uh, just thinking about how to advocate for themselves, how to speak up for what they want, how to set boundaries, what a healthy relationship looks like. So thank you so much for that. How can people find you if they want to work with you in the future? Um, well, this has been a really fun conversation. So I really appreciate both of you. I can be found at my website, lastfirstdate.com, and there's links to my books, my services, my blog, my podcast, everything is in there. And I also, if anyone here is a woman over 40 and wants to join my Facebook group, it is so amazing, I have to say. I started this group about four years ago and we're almost at 4,000 women and wow. it is a very highly interactive group and it's extremely focused on building the skills that we talked about today. I challenge all the biases, all of the limiting beliefs. I help people see that they're judging each other, they're judging men and people's lives change through this group alone. So it's called Your Last First Date on Facebook. And if you're over 40 and a woman, you're welcome to join. All right, it's okay, you can't join. So anyway, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm That's okay, Sandy, at least you started with us. When I say with us, meaning men, so I'm gonna hold on to that. I'm giving Kay that. a hard time. <laughs> So thank you so much, Sandy, for joining the show. Again, you can find Sandy Weiner on Facebook under, you can say it one more time. Uh, on Facebook at Your Last First Date. Okay, and then she's on Instagram on Last Date First Date One, right? Last, last First Date One. Oh, last First Date <laughs> One. Thank you for that, Sandy. Um, <laughs> and we really enjoyed having you on the show. Um, you know, for our listeners out there, just please remember uh, that you can listen to all our podcasts on the Anchor app, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other platforms. We're going to end it here. Um, we hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back with more guests. And until next time, XOXO.